So it's a tough job, but I love it. You have to love it to do it. Hey, welcome back to Too Hard, Too Fast, the podcast with strong opinions about things that we may and may not know too much about in order to broaden perspectives. Today, we have an actress that you might have seen her in movies and TV shows like Lucifer, um, True Blood, it's okay, and Six. Uh, is it Six or is it SEAL Team Six? It's Six. 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 And we're going to talk about sex. Uh, <laughs> so just know that. Uh, sex and love. Sex and love. Also, you're in a movie called Murder in Mexico. Mm-hmm. That I believe your husband directed. Yes, he did. Yep. Perfect. So we have Brianne Davis with us. And we're going to go too hard, too fast. So sit back, buckle up. Let's go. Oh, sorry. Almost forgot. Worm is not here with us. So we have... Last week's guest, Victor Varial, and here we are. Let's sit back, buckle up. Let's go too hard, too fast. Boom. Boom. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome to Too Hard, Too Fast. Too Hard, Too Fast. Too Hard, Too Fast. Too Hard, Too Fast. Welcome to Too Hard, Too Fast. Hey, hey, welcome back to Too Hard, Too Fast. It is Brianne Davis, and you're going to hear some dirty, juicy gossip about Hollywood and me and my book. So keep listening because you will not want to miss a thing. The podcast of the century. It's the local. All right, Brianne Davis, first question right off the bat. What Mm -hmm. are you drinking? Oh, I forgot my drink, (laughs) y'all. <laughs> you can't go too hard too fast without a drink. Not too hard too fast right now. I'm like an old lady. Damn it, I forgot my drink. I said I was gonna have a drink. Damn it. <laughs> we can wait, we can pause if you want. Okay, pause. All right. I'm back. Yeah, right. back to recording. All right. So now that we're back, Brianne Davis, what are you drinking? I'm a classy bitch. I'm having champagne in a wine glass. <laughs> fancy. Um, what do you know? What kind of champagne is that? Oh, God, I don't know. I just grabbed the bottle that was open and poured it in my glass. It's a, it's a Spumante champagne. I don't know the 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 label. Yeah. It's probably no like seven ninety nine, you guys. Like we're yeah, talking like dry. real. <laughs> we're talking like, real high class over here. That is perfect. That is that's exactly what we like on this podcast: cheap drinks and <laughs> yep. good yep. conversations. Um, if you would rate that seven ninety nine wine um, from one point to two <laughs> to hard too fast using decimals, what would you rate it at? Oh God, I would say it's like a. Price. And could you finish a whole bottle in one sitting? No, I could not finish the whole bottle. It is very sweet, and it's best like a mimosa style with orange juice. Mm. So I would not say – I think if it had orange juice, I could drink a lot of it, but it's just plain because I don't got no orange juice. <laughs> it happens. What, <laughs> what would you give it? What rating? Uh, 1.0. <laughs> Oh, 1.0. You drink it if you got it. And if you got some oranges, even better. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. Victor, what are you drinking? Um, I'm actually drinking my homemade ranch water. Um, this is a little bit of tequila, ginger ale, and lime. Ooh. Just to get the day started. <laughs> You're fancy. 
He's got money. He's got like some muddled mint in there, and you're just. You know what? Like, I have spearmint in my garden. Oh my god! <laughs> and it's it's like it, I never. I am. I have the worst green thumb in the world. I killed aloe vera. <laughs> yeah. No. I. I, I do too. I clear kill every plant I have, just so you know. Um. So, what's your rating on your ranch water? And you well, can't you know what? Because you know it, what. It lacks a little bit of sweetness in my taste. I didn't have enough time to make like some simple syrup. So I give it like a 1.65. 1. 1.65. Dang. Yeah. What kind of tequila are you drinking? Uh, just a little. Oh, so you're fancy. <laughs> Keeping it fancy. All right. 1.65. Ranch water. Victor's own ranch water. I am, you know, people have been saying all you drink is craft beer, craft beer. I I don't buy I can't buy a nine nine dollar six pack. Fair enough. So today I went with the Dos Equis with the two hard too fast koozie. Always plugging. Anyway, so that uh Dos Equis for nine ninety nine I guess you can get a twelve pack. I don't know what I bought. I was I was already too hard too fast when I bought it. Um so I would give this honestly a one point three five. 1.35. You know, usually a lot of people is like the, the go-to drink. You put some lime on it, put some salt. It makes it. You dress it up. I like it naked. Um, we're gonna do it that way. <laughs> do a lot of 1. people. <laughs> 1.35. It's what I'm giving it. But enough about the reviews. Enough about how we're gonna go too hard too fast. Let's talk about Brianne Davis. <laughs> Brianne Davis. First off, obviously the question that. I want to, and more like nervous to ask mm -hmm. is about your, you know, being a, and I'm going to mess it up again, sex and love addict. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm going to save that question for a little bit later. Okay. I really want to know how it feels to be an actress or going into, I don't live the actress life or an actress life. <laughs> um, I have no idea what. You know, I see LA as the as a tourist here. You're mm -hmm. in LA as actually working in the business. What is that feeling like? Um, I think people think it's like a playground, but it's actually really hard work to be an actor. You, it's a grind. You have, you know, a number like right now. Just just in the next day, I have seven to eight pages of dialogue I have to remember. You know, if you're not on a job, you're looking for a job constantly. So it's like four or five auditions a week, which could be seven to eight pages, which is 40 pages of dialogue you have to learn. So on top of doing that and then, you know, promoting things, showing up, doing interviews, you know, going to um, events and then it's a lot. And then you have to worry about how you look. You always have to be in shape. You have to take care of yourself. So it's it's a full-time job and people think it's an easy job, but it's actually a very hard job. And then you have to jump from character to character. Like these two characters are completely different. And then if I'm working on set, you know, the hours are really long. You don't shoot a long time. So I'm waiting eight hours a day. Then I'm shooting like six hours. And I usually am away from home on location somewhere in some crazy city or uh, small town or nothing to do, <laughs> you know, away from my family. So it's a tough job, but I love it. You have to love it to do it. And so LA for me is not about like parties and hanging out. It's about working. 
Well, Did you always want to be an actress? No, I actually didn't. I didn't want to be an actor until I was almost 17. I I was very, very shy and I'm dyslexic and I have ADHD. So I never looked at becoming an actor or anything like yeah. that. But I started shooting commercials, being in commercials in Atlanta, you know, and it wasn't a big hub for movies and television like it is when I was growing up. And I just loved being on set. I love the energy that everybody on set becomes a family so fast that in the environment and then becoming somebody else. So it was later in life that I wanted to be an actor. But yeah, no. <laughs> That's good. So, so uh, being dyslexic and mm-hmm. having all kinds of dialogue you have to remember, and, and like you said, one character is not like the other character, and you for sure don't know if you have this character or that character yet, how do you, how does your memory work, or how do you make yourself to remember what you're going to say? I think it's just training. I've done it for 20 years now that I can pick up dialogue and usually get it down pretty well, unless the character is so different from me. Like I'm doing this lawyer part and I don't say a lot of lawyer jargon a lot. So that one's more difficult. And if there's a lot of names or words I don't know, I have to rewrite them differently how I see them. But I think it's just practice. So if someone is out there having a learning disability, you can do this job. It's just you have to do it in a way that works for you and not like everybody else. What kind of acting? Do you, what kind of acting process do you think you have? Are you more like methodical? Are you? How do you get into your role? That's really interesting. People, you know, met, there's method acting where you become the character and you like lose yourself. I'm not like that. I literally use my imagination. So as soon as I get on set and I put on the character's clothes and have my makeup done. I then become the character. And when I walk on set and walk on, you know, the the yeah. scene, I will become the character. And that is my husband I'm looking at. And that is my child I'm dealing with. And that is my friend I'm having a fight with or whatever the scene is. And as soon as they say cut, I'm out of the character. Like I will joke around, which kind of pisses some people off <laughs> because I, <laughs> I worked recently on a movie called – Secret Life of a Celebrity Surrogate and the guy that paid my husband, he was very method and he was like oh, yeah, really intense. Is. We were having like a really big fight scene and I was sitting there being like, ha, 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 and then they call action. I'm like, fuck yeah, fuck yeah, like yelling at him and he's like trying to strangle me. And then when they say cut, I just start laughing and he's like, yeah. looking at me like all angry like can you please mad. stay <laughs> yeah he was like mad at me for keep breaking character but that's just how i work and everybody works different yeah is it harder to work with somebody that is method or like you know how and i'm not gonna say any names or anything but certain actors are hated or disliked to work with because they're too tough they're right. hard to work with or whatever does that make it harder for those kind of actors that stay method or do they prefer that? Like, I don't know what like directors would prefer an, a method versus an, a person that can cut and be normal again. I mean, I think we have so many kookadooks in the business. <laughs> We're all like a bunch of odd, odd birds and we all have different techniques. I mean, I used to work with somebody and he's like a big name that he used to like, right before they said action, he would look up at the sky and I'm not joking. And he'd be like, put his hands up and then he'd bend down and touch the ground, like squat down, touch the ground. And then he'd stand up and like start the scene. And you're like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, Every single time. like, 
every yeah. time. In the ancestral spirit. Like he was like, <laughs> and then he would go. And I, so I've worked with, you know, very, very method where they don't break character the entire time. Then I've worked with people that are like me that just jump out of it. You know, and then I work with people that like listen to music the whole time and you, they don't even want to talk to you. Um, so I've worked with so many different people in 20 years that I don't really care. Like I'm just there to do a job and I don't take anything personally. So if that works for them, I try to stay out of their way and, and you know, don't bother them. Um, because the worst thing is if you are in like an emotional scene and someone keeps talking to you, like, you're like, I'm trying to prepare, like, stop talking to me. So I, I mean, I think directors like it, like both ways, but I would say giving direction to someone that's in character might be difficult. I'm not sure. Cause I haven't had that experience. Fair enough. I think, um, when you were talking about like this guy doing this thing, I was kind of thinking of, uh, I was uh, thinking of the certain weird stuff that I do myself. Like, you wouldn't guess it, but before I started this podcast, I was in shape, uh, worked out all the time. So, but, and so when I would walk into this gym, like right before, I'm listening to music and I'm in my head, I'm going, all right, all right, you fucking fat piece of shit. Let's go. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. That's horrible. You know, I I'm sorry. Like, you're like prepping yourself up and you're like self beating yourself up. Yes. It's very planet of the apes. Just yeah. you're taking over. Yeah, that's pretty much. And I, that will hype me up. So as soon as I walk into the, the doors of the gym, I was ready to go. You're like, let's pump some iron. Yeah, let's, go, let's go meathead stuff. Uh, but but um, so when somebody came up to me in my process going into the gym, and t said anything to me, mm -hmm. just totally threw my whole hype up. Like I was like, oh, <laughs> I don't want to talk right now. I want to go and work out. And that's why like friends were like, let's go work out together. I was like, no, I can't. I can't have somebody talking to me while I'm trying to like do this work that is like annoying in itself because it's very repetitive, back and forth, doing this. And so like I have to be in that mindset. Uh, so I think it makes sense that somebody is trying to get into a certain state of mind. Yeah. And if somebody just... <laughs> Hey, what do you want for lunch? It's like, dude, come on. You just ruined this whole thing that I had going. Yeah. So. that I mean, at times that can even when it's a very intense scene and you have to get there right away, especially if it starts like right when the, it's amplified. Yeah, that, that can be if someone comes in, especially like we have hair and makeup come and wardrobe and they're, you're always being touched. So you could literally stand there and somebody just comes up to you and starts touching your face. No, I'm not kidding. Or like pulling on your shirt. Wow. trying to fix it or your hair doing your hair and you're just standing there. So you're always being touched when you're on set and it gets to a point where you're like 14 hours, you're like, please just stop touching me. Stop touching mm -hmm. me. So yeah. They see, I see that like that joke on TV all the time where it's like, all right, cut. And then you see all that stuff. Oh yeah. Or, that's how it is. I always thought it was just an exaggerated joke. No, I am kidding. As soon as they come up, five people come up to you all at once and then the director is coming up giving you direction saying when you said this line can you say it like this can you make can you be more angry can you be more emotional and then touching your hair someone's trying to fix your lips someone's you know it's 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 a lot and you have to stay really focused so it's a job you have to be able to handle all that commotion but still stay really focused awesome i know you've done movies and tv mm -hmm. what what have you enjoyed most? Which 
which one is more enjoyable to you? Or do you just like the fact that it's, you know, experience and acting and getting to relate or getting to experience new opportunities? Um, but well, I mean, what would you say is the best experience you've had? Well, I've always loved movies more. I started more as a movie actress doing Jarhead and other movies and, you know, prom night and stuff. And I like going on movies because it's a short period of time. So we're talking like a couple months to like six months. You're shooting this movie and usually they're on cool locations. So that's really fun. And TV shows now, though, it's a chance to like have a whole lifetime with a character. You get to play the character for a long time. So if you love the character and you're on TV, that's great. But the problem is a lot of actors take jobs and then they don't really like playing the character. And then you're stuck doing it for six years and you're like miserable. That happens a lot. But so I think, you know, doing six for two seasons for two years, I love playing Lena Graves. So I I enjoyed being on that show, but it just depends on the character, I think, is is the best answer. Yeah. That was one of my favorite shows, by the way. I should say that. What? <laughs> I said uh, Six was one of my favorite shows. Um, there's a lot, like, a lot of the actors there, um, they were just good. Like, they really made me believe, like, they were part of yeah. the... Yeah, it was a great like, cast. Yeah, yeah. So, a uh, little, uh, what is it called, fanboyish, you know, being able to talk to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I won't do. I won't make it weird. <laughs> it's okay. You make everything weird. <laughs> That's my job. No. You yeah. and your gym. You're going to the gym story. Yeah. You, you already got. You already went weird. It's okay. Yeah, I, already weird. I already made things weird. <laughs> I, I've known George since college. He's always been weird. <laughs> okay. Well, that's good. At least you're owning it. <laughs> yeah. It's one of the things that keeps us friends. <laughs> good. <laughs> Man. Uh, hey, uh, so, <laughs> so I completely went off track now and hey, too hard, too fast. And this is probably just like just my own kind of, I don't know if people think this way, mm-hmm. but when an actor cries, I'm like, do they think about something sad? Is it fake tears? Like, mm-hmm. like, 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 I don't know, maybe they poked their eye and just or, like, how does an actor do that? And I never, I've, I've never had the opportunity to actually ask somebody. Like, oh, how okay. do you do that? Kind of like, well, again, it's so different for everybody. For me, I put myself in that situation. So, you know, if there's a fight with Barry and I on six, um, we, you know, acted like we were fighting as a couple and that I emotionally just go there. I've tried in the past to use like, if I have an emotional scene to use like my real husband or someone dying or something like that, it never sustains the real, like it's you're more in your head than actually the situation. So for me, that never really helps. It helps maybe the first take, but when you shoot a scene 10 different times in different, you know, camera sizes, you have to be able to go there every time. Um, One of the hardest scenes for me to shoot was on six. It was the graveyard scene when we were planting plants for our child that we lost. And it, the horrible thing, and I've talked about this once is I actually miscarried my child. I was, I was pregnant at the time and I miscarried and I had to shoot that scene the next day. So that scene, they didn't want me to cry. (laughs) They were like, hold it in, hold it in. I was like, but I just want to cry. And nobody, only two people knew I just was losing my child. Yeah. And I was on location in Wilmington and it was, that was a really hard scene 
to, to shoot, you know, and then if you're having a bad emotional time and then you have to be happy on set. So it's always like you're disconnecting from your reality to, to play other characters. Oh, man, that's hard. That's, yeah. I don't know how, like, how to even like, even at work, like my real, my day job, I am a special education teacher. Mm-hmm. Uh, so bravo to you. That's an amazing job. <laughs> Oh, thank you. I have the I patience, <laughs> the kindness. I, I just love it. That just made me want to like cry. That's oh, such a great like, job. Yeah, it's fun. I love it. Um, I honestly do. It's, but well, like the hard part about it is having to disconnect my home life to my school life. And then, yeah. like you said, like it, it does take a lot of patience. And so when I'm coming back home, I can't bring what happened mm-hmm. at work if I you know, kids spat at, spat, spat at me or try to hit me or whatever, you know, happened at work. I can't bring it home. But even though I'm emo- emotionally exhausted. Yeah. Oh, God. I know. When I get off set and I've been working, that's when I shut down is I don't – I come home and I just shut down. So, like, my husband and I have been together for 16 years and he knows when I'm getting off set. Like, he'll ask, how's the day? And I'll be like, good. Because I'm just drained. You're emotionally and you know, mentally just drained. And usually then you have like dialogue for the next day and you have to start working on 10 pages or 12 pages. So it's hard being with an actor. You have to understand like those moments where you're not fully connected. Right. And so what I was thinking is like if you're having to get yourself into this emotional state, even mm-hmm. though like maybe your home life has, you know, whatever you're dealing with, whatever at home. Like in this situation, you miscarried, and now you're doing this scene that's very similar to what you just went through at home. Mm-hmm. It's to me, I'm thinking like you're reopening up this wound, and they don't want you to cry. So it's like, how do you like, how do you not do that? How do you, how do you disconnect, but also not disconnect? I guess. I Is mean. It's not, it's kind of, I mean, for that, I was just literally holding back tears during that scene. And as soon as they say cut, I would break out into hysteria and be crying, you know, but I needed to be professional. A lot of people didn't know what was going on, but Barry did, which was nice. So he was like, are you okay? Breathe. Like we're almost done. And he was really great partner, but it's hard it's hard to stay can not to go there. So as an actor, you kind of just have to like assume the position and know it's your job. And yeah, but sometimes you break anyways, or sometimes you bring that stuff into a scene and it kind of makes the scene better because you're more authentic and it goes different places and it's a roller coaster and you don't know what's going to happen. Victor, I just want to say, Victor, that this is usually the time where Worm will say something dumb and messed up (laughs) just to cut the tension. See, and I was going to lead it totally more morbid. (laughs) Oh, good. Go. (laughs) Well, I was thinking to myself, you know, now that we're talking, Mm -hmm. um, being an actress, did you find that any of those experiences were maybe triggers? Um, as we said before, you know, we are talking about a sex addiction slash, mm-hmm. is it sex addiction, love addiction? Sex yeah, it's and- both sex and love addiction. There's yeah, sex so, addiction and there's sex and love addiction. Yeah. You know, and, and I can, and I can speak as far as a, as a drug addiction would go, you know, we know there are certain triggers that would get us maybe kind of in that mindset. Mm-hmm. And so I'm thinking, cause when I think of sex addiction, mm-hmm. I think of a more, uh, emotional addiction or more like mental based 
addiction. Mm-hmm. And so I'm thinking, I'm like, if I'm an actress and I have to kind of, or an actor, my bad. Yeah. No, be an <laughs> actress. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I always refer to myself as female pronouns. Great. And, perfect. <laughs> if I was, if I was in that state of mind and I constantly had to switch back between happy and sad and, and angry and lustful and, you know, is that, is that a triggering point for you? Like, did you ever get anywhere in your mentality or career state where you were like, is this healthy for me as an addict? And I love that question because the first year of my sobriety in Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous, it's a 12-step program modeled after AAA, but um, that first year of withdrawal and recovery, I did not work as an actor. I could not go on set. I could not go and audition and become another person because I didn't even have a part of myself. So for me, that was the most triggering. I was willing to let go of my career. I kept telling, you know, my higher power, my God, like, if I'm not supposed to do this anymore, just take it away um, so I can move on. But yes, it is difficult when you're on location or you have a scene with somebody and it's intimate or you can get triggered. But I think because I have such a strong sobriety and I know what's real and what's fiction and when I'm acting, it's fiction and it just allows me to you know, become these characters that they're not really me, it doesn't trigger me as much as I thought it would. But I have 11 years of sobriety and I've been working at this. And thank you. And I'm, you know, I go to a meeting a day, you know, I sponsor so many people. So while I'm shooting these scenes that can be triggering, you know, going from sadness, heartbreak, sadness, you know, and feeling all that emotion, as long as I let it out of my body, as long as I fully commit, then when I'm done, it's not stuck in my body. It's the emotion that gets stuck in my body, which I feel really affects addicts that we hold on to things instead of like letting them out. Yeah. Our self saboteur is what gets us a lot of Yes, time. totally. <laughs> as, well, just for baseline, uh, would you mind telling us what what is a sex and love addict? You know, just because. Yes, and I do want to say before you say that, because I feel like I had a very ignorant mind coming into this. And this is like the beauty thing about Too Hard Too Fast, the the podcast. Like, yeah, we are experts in our own life, in our own fields, but also we don't know what other people are going through. And that's what I love. Like, and a lot of the times I do come in with this ignorant mind because then Mm -hmm. I take something out of it. Um, so when I was in contact with you yesterday, I was mm-hmm. like, are you bringing a drink on the show? Yeah. And you're like, yeah, I'm a, I'm an SLAA, not an AA. I can have a drink. I was like, okay, that makes sense. But I'm only asking, and I didn't want to go into like a whole detailed thing, but I was yeah. asking my own ignorance. I was like, okay, when I get a little drunk skis, uh-huh. I want to have a little bit of sexies. <laughs> yes, yes, usually they do. Usually people that drink or do drugs. Here's the thing. Usually people that are alcoholics or drug addicts or, you know, all the other isms we can do, underneath is this fear of abandonment, this fear of not being worthy, this fear of self-sabotage, you know, self-loathing, all that stuff us addicts hold. And they're usually sex and love addicts. That's they say AA is the last house house on the block you want to go to, right? Like that house you just don't want to go to. Slaw is like the shack in the back, like no one wants to go to. It's like the worst place. So 
I understand, you know, you asking me that, which I really loved you saying, do you drink? Do you not drink? So a lot of people get sex and love addiction really mixed up. So what it is, is we're addicted to people. I'm addicted to people like friends, family, a lover, a partner, whoever. And specifically with sex addiction, you're addicted to the sexual act with a person. So it's like porn and masturbation, having multiple partners, cheating, you know, um, one night stands, you know, all that stuff is, but you're addicted to the act, the sexual act. Then the love addiction side is where you're addicted to intriguing, to flirting, to going after the unavailable person over and over again and going back to horrible relationships, being stuck in relationships. And then there's another side to it that people don't talk about. It's called sexual anorexia, where you actually don't have sex at all or relationships because you're a fear of being abandoned and it's too intimate. We're scared of intimacy. So the best way I can put it, usually people are both. They're addicted to a specific person and then they find themselves having one night stands and then they swing back and forth. And then if they're in a relationship, they stop being sexual with their partner because it's too intimate. They're too close to them. Does that make sense to that? I've tried to like do it in layman's terms. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. Very understandable, I think. Well, it's a very gray disease, you guys. Like for you, yeah. Victor, you just stop doing drugs, right? Like yeah. you just stop, like you're done. Yeah. So, but with sex and love addiction, you have to have relationships with people. We can't be hermits. So what you do is you take away all the things you did. Like for me, my bottom, they're called bottom lines. So for me, my bottom lines was no cheating outside of my committed relationship, no flirting, intriguing, texting, emailing, talking to any men whatsoever, which that was a really difficult one. Um, Cause I love to flirt. I was a flirt and I just would flirt with the chair. Like I would be like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I thought it was part of my personality, but what I was doing, I would go to Starbucks and get a coffee and flirt with somebody and I'd be raping them of their energy to make me feel better, to give me that high, to make me like, ah, you know, that, that excitement in life. And you take all of that away and then you get boundaries, you work on yourself, you see why you do the certain things you do, you look at your character defects, you make amends for who you've done wrong, and then you bring it back in a way where it's healthy. And I have to tell you, I don't flirt anymore. I don't intrigue. And it is the best thing in the entire world. Yeah. So, But it's more liberating also. I mean... Oh my God, I can't tell fully, you. Like, uh, Needy? Like, fill yeah, me, like fill me, fill me, give me like attention. Of just like... Everybody love me or like love me. Tell me how awesome I am. Give me attention. Talk to me. Make me feel better. Fix me. Fix me. It's like that energy. And it's like, I don't do that with anybody. Even my husband, like nobody fixes me. No one fills me. I actually do it myself. And it's the most freeing I have ever felt in my entire life. Oh, I bet. All right. So we're going to pause the conversation here. Thursday, we're going to continue. We're going to go dive deeper into sex and love addiction deeper into her book and then we're gonna learn her too hard too fast story so come back on thursday brianne davis victor one more time thank you for filling in for worm and with that said what are you gonna say keep listening to too hard too fast it's been a pleasure george worm i think i'm still in your job uh, he already called it our podcast <laughs> <laughs> i caught it you didn't think i caught it but i caught it <laughs> but with that said 
Remember, there will be you, there will be weird. Bye. Bye. <laughs>